0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, May 24th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, details on yet another lawsuit against the state. This time, the quality of education is being called into question. Then, outrage over a Mississippi legislator's lynching comments. Find out who's calling for Representative Carl Oliver's resignation and who is not.
1: I think that it should just be, it should just go away at this point. He, he made a misstep, and he has apologized
2: for
0: it. And hear from two Mississippi congressmen with differing views on how the Trump administration's proposed budget will affect Mississippians. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is accused of inconsistent education practices. The Southern Poverty Law Center is making the argument based on the Readmission Act, which allowed Mississippi to regain full statehood after the Civil War, the SPLC says Mississippi is violating its binding obligation to provide a uniform system of quality public schools for all children, regardless of their race. Will Bardwell is senior staff attorney at SPLC. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby about Mississippi's readmission responsibility.
3: This is a lawsuit filed under The Readmission Act of 1870, which was the legislation by which Congress readmitted Mississippi to the Union after the Civil War. One of the terms of Mississippi's readmission was that it could never change its state constitution in a way that deprived children of the education rights that were contained in the Constitution at that time. Now, at the time, Mississippi's state constitution had a very strong guarantee to public education. If that were still on the books today, uh, it would be one of the strongest education clauses in America still. Um, But, of course, over the course of the 20th century, uh, Mississippi eroded that constitutional guarantee until it's uh, what it is today. So we are asking the federal courts to issue a declaratory judgment under the Readmission Act and hold that Mississippi is still bound by the terms of the education clause as it existed then. So the Readmission Act back many years ago
4: was for white children and black children.
3: Yes. Congress understood that if it was going to raise up the newly freed slaves uh, to the point where they could participate actively in the political process, that they had to be armed with all the tools of citizenship, and that one of the key parts of that was making sure they had a high-quality education uh, and the same access to that education that white kids had. What are the
4: plaintiffs in this lawsuit asking for?
3: They are asking for a federal court to issue a declaratory judgment holding that Mississippi's obligations under Article 8, Section 1 of the 1868 Constitution are still binding. What that would mean in practical terms is that a federal court would hold that Mississippi is still obligated to provide a system of public schools that is uniform. And this goes to the heart of the
4: quality of the education that is received by children in each school district in Mississippi. Is that right?
3: Right. A uniform system of schools is a system of schools that provides every kid in every corner of the state with the same educational opportunities. Can you really
4: apply that particular protection that was written more than a hundred years ago to where politics and economic status and race are now in America and in Mississippi?
3: You know, sometimes it's difficult when you're looking at constitutional language uh, or uh, statutes that were written hundreds of years ago uh, to try to figure out how they fit into the 21st century. Uh, I think this is a pretty easy one. You know, when you start talking about requiring a state to provide a system of schools that's uniform, well, that still means the same thing today as it meant then. That means everybody has to get the same shot, no matter whether their skin is white or black. I don't think you have to uh, have a time machine and be able to go back to 1890 to uh, understand what that means.
4: You filed this lawsuit on behalf of parents. Can you tell me
3: about them? We are representing four parents who send their children to Raines Elementary School in Jackson and Webster Street Elementary in Yazoo. You indicated during the press conference that this lawsuit is not
4: about funding. Then why not file separate lawsuits against each individual school district that does not measure up?
3: Well, in this case, the readmission act makes very clear which party it was binding. It was binding the state of Mississippi.
4: Will, thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition. We do appreciate your time. Mark, it's been
3: my pleasure.
0: Dorothy Hamer is from Yazoo City. Her daughter attends Webster Elementary. She tells MPB's Mark Rigsby about her child's learning environment
5: to make sure that my child has a better education a better learning environment i have a three-year-old son and he's going to be going to that school soon and uh, i want him to have a very good education also i believe that the environment you put a child in affects their ability to learn and you know uh, interact with other things
4: you're saying that it's not a good environment there
5: No, no, sir. uh, Like I said, it's a very old school. It's been there, I know, over 50 years. The classrooms are overcrowded. There are between 26 and 30 students in every class.
4: Have you spoken to the school district or the administrators or teachers at your child's school about the quality of education there? No, sir. Why not?
5: Well, I really didn't know where to start.
4: The attorneys that are filing this lawsuit on your behalf from the Southern Poverty Law Center are, are basing this on race. Do you believe that race is a factor in the quality of your child's education?
5: Yes, I do. Her school is like 88% black. I mean, they only have, to my knowledge, about four Caucasian teachers.
4: Do you think your child would benefit by more resources in the classroom and for the school and the school district? Or do you think they would benefit by being engaged with more white students, white teachers, or maybe a little bit of both or neither?
5: More resources. Is this the main thing? More resources, like I said, a better learning environment, better learning material, more qualified teachers.
4: When you think about this, I mean, what goes through your mind? What, what does your gut tell you? That
5: uh, something needs
4: to be done. What would you like done?
5: Well, first, I would like uh, another school. Like I said, that building uh, is not safe. Like I said, the playground is. It shouldn't be a place where kids play. They have roots coming about the ground, the the trees. They have big rocks. I played on that playground. <laughs> it wasn't that bad a condition as it is now, but yeah, like I said,
4: they need a better school, period. And do you ever talk to your child about the school and how it could be better or even it could be worse?
5: Uh, yes, sir. I always tell her that no matter what environment she's in, to always do her best and to not down talk someone who's not doing as well as her or, uh, you know, or less, less than her.
4: Thank you very much for being on Mississippi Edition today. We do appreciate your time.
0: Thank you, sir. The named defendants include Governor Phil Bryant, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves, House Speaker Philip Gunn, and Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, all Republican elected officials. It also names state school superintendent Carrie Wright and the nine appointed members of the State Board of Education. Governor Bryant said in a statement, while the SPLC clings to its misguided and cynical views, we will continue to shape Mississippi's system of public education into the best and most innovative in America. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves says the SPLC is forcing the state to spend millions of tax dollars on litigation that could be used in the classroom. Coming up, Mississippi's Black Legislative Caucus is calling for a lawmaker who made comments about lynching to resign immediately. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. On the next Fix It 101, we want to make
1: sure your house is standing on solid ground. Do you have cracks in your walls, uneven floors, or windows that will not close? If so, you may have a foundation problem, and that's no easy fix. So tune in tomorrow at 9 as we welcome Matt Chun from Structural Solutions to the Handyman Hangout, where we'll give you insight and advice on what to do if you have foundation problems at your home. That's Fix It 101 today at 9, only on MPB Think Radio. On the next Mississippi Roads, it's strange and unique places in Mississippi. We feature an airplane recovery yard in a unique place. The first international museum of Muslim culture in the nation is in Jackson. We look at how and why it was established in Mississippi. And we visit local artist Johnny Knight's treehouse in Mendenhall. I'm Walt Grayson. Join me
3: on the next Mississippi Roads. Thursday at 7 p.m. on MPB-TV.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus is calling for the immediate resignation of House Republican Carl Oliver of Winona. This, while the fallout continues to mount over remarks made by the freshman legislator that Louisiana leaders should be lynched for removing Confederate monuments. Oliver removed the comments and issued an apology. House Speaker Philip Gunn reprimanded Oliver by stripping him of the vice chairmanship of the House Forestry Committee. But the apology isn't enough for some. Representative Sonia Williams-Barnes is president of the Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus. She tells us what what the collective is asking.
7: The Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus has asked for an immediate resignation of Representative Carl Oliver due to his um, his post on on social media and and his actions that he has taken.
0: How many legislators are in the Mississippi Black Caucus? Fifty. And have they all been consulting? Have you been speaking amongst yourselves over this issue?
7: Uh, Yes, members of the Legislative Black Caucus have been talking amongst themselves um, as well as with constituents in their areas pertaining to Representative Oliver's comments. And we are finding uh, many of our constituents and definitely caucus members are not pleased with those comments.
0: Representative Oliver's Facebook post appeared on Saturday evening. That post was still up Monday morning. There were almost 1,700 comments before it came down following his apology. Why isn't his apology enough? Why are you asking for his resignation?
7: Well, for one, this is not um, Representative Oliver's first time uh, making comments that are not that should not be made by public officials. Um, it's not the attitude, it's not the mindset that we need in our Mississippi legislature.
0: Do you think the word he used, well, lynching in particular, how far-reaching do you think it is other than being perhaps offensive to people?
7: The word lynching is not just uh, offensive. Um, it, it's an act that is, is a violent act. And in my opinion, I feel uncomfortable sitting there on that house floor with someone who, um, is willing to lynch someone because of their views or their actions. Um, we are there on a daily basis. We are debating different issues. And for someone to use such strong verbiage as lynching, um, it's, it's not just offensive. It concerns me about my safety as I represent those um, constituents who voted me into office.
0: What do you say to those who say voters can elect him out during the next election? That's how our process works.
7: We have, what, two more years before there's another election. This is not um, the demeanor of a public official. Mr. Oliver needs to resign. And if the voters choose to reelect him in 2019, then so be it. But he needs to resign today and think about what he has said and his actions and, and what his words have caused.
0: Do you expect that Representative Oliver will resign? That I don't
7: know. I know that it is, our, it is our request.
0: Would it be correct to assume that you're in support of the Confederate monuments coming down in New Orleans? The
7: Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus has not officially made a statement in reference to that, nor have we taken a vote, so I am apt to not speak on that at this time would be willing to if it comes up in subject, you know, at a meeting
0: later. Representative Sonia Williams-Barnes is Mississippi Black Caucus chairperson. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. The ACLU of Mississippi is also calling on Governor Phil Bryant and the Republican leadership for a preliminary investigation of the statement as a violation of the Code of Ethics in the State House. Republican John Moore is the chairman of the House Education Committee. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser he does not think Oliver should step down.
1: Well, I had, of course, uh, Representative Oliver shouldn't have, shouldn't have said it, and I think he, he's apologized and done the, the gentlemanly thing that he should have done. But uh, I don't want to see our state come to the point where people cannot express their opinions uh, without, without fear of being punished. And I know I've been in the legislature 22 years, and I have heard very hurtful hurtful things said by not only Republicans, but Democrats alike. And I think a lot of it comes from just passion, the passion of doing the job. And I personally don't want to see a member of the Black Caucus thrown out of the legislature or asked to resign because of something that he or she might have said. And when they were passionate about an issue, I, I don't think that we want our state to go to that point where we can't have the freedom of freedom of expression and a freedom of thought. That's what that's what makes our society great is people's ability to say of what they think. And the, and now when they act out on, on issues, that's when it becomes different. It, when a person becomes violent or becomes or comes to the point that they're destroying property or hurting or threatening to hurt people. That that's one thing, but when a person speaks, we're we a very dangerous territory when we're when we're starting to criminalize the words that come out of a person's mouth or the thoughts that come out of their head. And I, I would be just, uh, I would be very careful in, in demanding any person. Resigned from an office strictly because of something they said.
2: I think the argument is that what he said was so inflammatory, talking about. Well, well I, uh, I, I, I,
1: I will agree that that was very inflammatory, but it's not as inflammatory as I've heard some statements made on the floor of the House and in meetings before. I'm, you know, it's not the. There's no. There, it's, it might be inflammatory to one, and it might not be to the other. You can't, you can't measure that. Now, I agree it was it was inflammatory to to part of the population of Mississippi, and and it shouldn't have been said. I will agree with that. But for a person to be removed from from office part, I I don't agree.
2: Do you think that when those kind of things are said, uh, divisive, racially divisive remarks, that that person can still function in the position for which they uh, were elected and be effective?
1: I think they can. They, they have to work harder to be able to do it. There, there's no doubt about that. You know, when you make it, when you make a, a, a technical flaw, a slip of the tongue like that, the recovery time it's a whole lot harder to pull that word back in than it is to, to, to spit it out. And it takes time for a person to be able to reearn the credibility that they need to, to serve. But it can be done.
2: Well, How do you think this should be handled?
1: I think that it should just be it should just go away at this point. He he's made, he made a misstep or a misspeak and he has apologized for it. Now how many times can a person apologize for and if he's a truthful apology and I feel like that it was.
2: What about someone that might say, if you let him stay, what he said is a reflection on the state and by letting him stay you're condoning in some way or somehow saying that uh, this is allowed with an apology and other states, other folks look at this and have a negative view of Mississippi.
1: Well, I would just respectfully disagree with him. Each person has their own opinion. And I don't think that, that people that are serious about wanting to do business in the state of Mississippi, that they might hear something that some one individual says, but at the end of the day, unless that is a common voice coming from the entire people of the state of Mississippi, most people that are wanting to do business in the state of Mississippi or come visit the state of Mississippi, or, or, or will forget it if the news media will allow to forget it. It can go to the point where it has a life of its own even though the gentleman has apologized. And, you know, at at this point, I think that all the parties need to just shake hands and go on and agree to move forward with the state
2: of Mississippi. Well, Representative John Moore, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this issue. Governor Phil Bryant says in a statement,
0: Representative Oliver's language was unacceptable and has no place in civil discourse. Whether he remains a representative is up to him and the voters in his district. Coming up, two legislators with differing opinions over the Trump administration budget proposal. Details ahead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you.
0: The
2: state's ongoing opioid epidemic.
0: A
4: bill to allow
0: guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and
4: another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We We We
2: are MPB News.
4: We are MPB News.
2: We are MPB News.
0: We are MPB News. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. President Donald Trump is proposing a budget plan that will cut funding for safety net programs like food stamps and Medicaid. Two Mississippi congressmen disagree on how the president's proposed budget will affect Mississippians. The proposal calls for cuts to funding for safety net programs such as food stamps and Medicaid. Mississippi Second District Congressman Benny Thompson, the state's lone Democrat in Congress, says he's concerned. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware many Mississippians rely on health care insurance or health care assistance.
6: Medicare and Medicaid are crucial to the state of Mississippi. Uh, about 26% of our citizens uh, on Medicaid. If we cut in Washington uh, those dollars, our hospitals, our doctors, and ultimately our citizens will be impacted. So I'm going to be a passionate advocate to continue those programs. Uh, I have several counties I represent. Well, we don't even have a hospital. So it's already a challenge and I'm not willing to put uh, more hardship on people uh, if I can help it.
5: How are those things going to affect Mississippians?
6: For every dollar that we send to Washington, we get almost $3 back. So we're doing fine with Washington's help. Uh, Without Washington's help, we'd be in trouble. So my job is to advocate on behalf of the needs of our citizens. Uh, Agriculture is important, uh, not to just my district, but to the state and this country as a whole. Well, we have agricultural programs uh, under the Trump budget uh, that will be cut over 20%. A 20% cut in our agriculture budget is a cut that we can't really manage. Every county in our state participate in USDA programs. That 20 percent cut uh, puts us severely at risk. So we have to advocate for it.
0: Congressman Benny Thompson, thank you so much for speaking with us.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Mississippi's fourth district congressman, Republican Stephen Palazzo, says he supports the idea that truly assisting people is to help them no longer need anti-poverty programs. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware assistance to poor people can come in other ways.
3: It's just a blueprint right now, and we're still looking at it.
0: And this budget, it does include cuts
5: to federal assistance programs. With a decrease in Medicare and Medicaid health care services, how do you think that that's going to affect Mississippians?
3: I haven't seen the entire budget, and I'd like to have an opportunity to look into that. I know there are some safety net programs that are extremely important to Mississippians as well as to a majority of our nation. Um, But I also read a quote today that um, compassion doesn't necessarily need to be judged by the number of programs the federal government offers or the number of people that's being served, but are they doing what they were intended to do? And that's to move people up and out of poverty into the workforce and being productive citizens. And so I I really can't tell you. I mean, again, I haven't looked at all the lines of the budget. We really start out with the uh, defense Uh, Sector because that's our number one constitutional responsibility. And then we'll go through uh, the rest of the budget. And I may have something to say at a later time.
5: Congressman Stephen Palazzo, thank you so much for speaking with me.
1: Alexis, thank you.
0: The two congressmen also have opposing views on the current Russia investigations involving last year's presidential election. Stay tuned to Fix It 101 at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, Everyday Tech, and at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. And join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.
3: The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue.